attendants who looked as if they just stepped off the ramp from the Miss Indonesia contest. The flight had circled Jakarta for three hours before receiving permission to land, long enough for Dagmar to miss her connecting flight to Bali. The lovely attendants, by way of compensation, kept the Bombay and tonics coming. The plane landed, and Dagmar stood in line with the others, waiting to pass customs. The customs agent seemed morose and distracted. Dagmar waited several minutes in line while her particular agent engaged in a vigorous, angry conversation on his cell phone. When Dagmar approached his booth, he stamped her passport without looking at it or her and waved her on. She found that there were two kinds of people in Sukarno-Hatta International Airport, the frantic and the sullen. The first talked to one another or into their cell phones in loud, indignant-sounding Javanese or Sudanese. The second type sat in dejected silence, sometimes in plastic airport seats, sometimes squatting on their carry-on baggage. The television monitors told her that her connection to Bali had departed more than an hour before she'd arrived. Tugging her carry-on behind her on its strap, Dagmar threaded her way between irate businessmen and doer families with peevish children. A lot of the women wore headscarves or the white Islamic headdress. She went to the currency exchange to get some local currency and found it closed. The exchange rates posted listed something like 110,000 rupiah to the dollar. Most of the shops and restaurants were also closed even the duty-free and the chain stores in the large attached mall, where she wandered looking for a place to change her rupees for rupiah. The bank she found was closed. The ATM was out of order. The papers at the newsagents had screaming banner headlines and pictures of politicians looking bewildered. She passed through a transparent plastic security wall and into the main concourse to change her ticket for Bali. The Garuda Indonesia ticket seller didn't look like Miss Jakarta. She was a small, squat woman with long, flawless crimson nails on her nicotine-stained fingers, and she told Dagmar there were no more flights to Bali that night. Flight cancel, the woman said. How about another airline? Dagmar asked. All flight cancel. Dagmar stared at her. All the airlines? The woman looked at her from eyes of obsidian. All cancel. How about tomorrow? I check. The squat woman turned to her keyboard, her fingers held straight and flat in the way used by women with long nails. Dagmar was booked on a flight leaving the next day at 1.23 p.m. The squat woman handed her a new set of tickets. You come two hours early. Other terminal. Not here. Okay, thanks. There was a tourist information booth, but people were packed around it ten deep. All cancel. She wondered how many had gotten stranded. Dagmar took out her handheld. It was a marvelous piece of technology, custom-built by a firm in Burbank to her needs and specifications. It embraced most technological standards used in North America, Asia, and Europe, and had a satellite uplink for sites with no coverage or freaky mobile standards. It had SMS for text messaging and email, packet switching for access to the Internet, and MMS for sending and receiving photos and video.
It had a built-in camera and camcorder, acted as a personal organizer and PDA, supported instant messaging, played and downloaded music, and supported Bluetooth. It could be used as a wireless modem for her PC, had a GPS feature, and would scan both text and semicodes. Dagmar loved it so much she was tempted to give it a name, but never had. She stepped out of the terminal, and tropical heat slapped her in the face. Mist rose in little wisps from the wet pavement, and the air smelled of diesel exhaust and clove cigarettes. Dagmar saw the Sheraton and the Aspac glowing on the horizon, found their numbers online, and called. They were full. She googled a list of Jakarta hotels, found a five-star place called the Royal Jakarta, and booked a room at a not-quite-extortionate rate. Dagmar found a row of blue taxis and approached the first. The driver had a lined face, a bristly little mustache, and a black, peachy cap on his head. He turned down his radio and gave her a skeptical look. I have no rupiah, she said. Can you take dollars? A smile flashed, revealing brown, irregular teeth. I take dollar, he said brightly. Twenty dollars, she said, to take me to the Royal Jakarta. Twenty dollar okay. His level of cheerfulness increased by an order of magnitude. He jumped out of the cab, loaded her luggage into the trunk, and opened the door for her. Above the windshield were pictures of movie stars and pop singers. The driver-